0: Hello, and welcome to the library for Podcast of Interest. This is a rewatch podcast for Person of Interest, featuring two veteran operatives and one newly initiated. My name is Justin, and joining me are my two associates, my veteran operative Jude and our new recruit, Anna. Jude, Anna, we have reached season five. My God. Doing? Is it me, or did this go faster than
1: Babylon 5?
0: We did. A l- there, so there, there's about ten less episodes, I think, if I remember the math right. Hmm. Hmm. No, they there. There's one less episode of first adventures, but we have it a lot more two episode. Yeah. Uh, we we had a lot less of this episode. We're going to spend. We're gonna. We're gonna do one episode only recordings. Yeah. Because
2: yeah. even even on the plot ones, there's there hasn't been as much to like tie into deeper yeah. lore. <laughs>
1: I, it's on my mind because I'm looking at our outlines, and all of us wrote. At least one bab pod length summary <laughs> for this for this recording session. I mean yeah.
2: four wham episodes. Well, no episodes
0: and one Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. There there is We're in the thick of it, and then we're going to have the po- rug pulled out of us. Uh, the
1: Allen <laughs> thick of it?
0: No. No. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, let's get into it then. Yeah, tonight we're covering the first two episodes of Season 5 of Person of Interest. B and Snafu. Who has blue screen of death? B. Hey. All right, then take us away.
2: So this one's written by Greg Plagman and Tony Camarino. By Chris Fisher. So we pick up first with an ominous view of the empty and destroyed Subway HQ. And a voiceover from Root telling anyone listening that her voice is all that's left of them. Wondering whether they won or lost, and saying who they are and how they fought back. An ominous start to the season. So, Team Machine is on the run, uh, and unfortunately, uh, we've split the party. Um, Samaritan may not know who they are, but it knows that they're a threat and has sent an ass load of goons to find and eliminate them. Everyone gets cool action scenes as they're hunted by Samaritan agents. And John and Harold reunite on a ferry that they hope will take them to safety. Additionally, the battery in the case is failing and the machine is in trouble, uh, probably due to John using it repeatedly as a weapon and or shield. Even if something's indestructible, maybe the stuff inside isn't, John? It's as if he's never
1: broken into a safe and lit the stuff on inside on fire. Oh, wait, he's done that in this
0: show. I mean... I've been playing Sniper Elite recently and there there are safes you can crack in that game. And if you kill one officer, you can get the code. But if the officer refuses to peek their head out so you can search their dead their dead dotsy corpse for a safe code, you can just put a satchel charge on it. I'm sure the loot stays safe. I
2: I'm-, <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. So this is this adds to the urgency to get back to and save the machine. Harold wants to turn back and save Root, but John insists that they need to move on for their own sakes and for that of the machine. Eventually, they make it back to HQ, just in time for the battery light to go out on the case. Uh oh. They'll have to improvise an alternative power supply in addition to decompressing the machine. John heads back out to look for Root, as they both hope that her technical expertise will help revive the machine. Harold hooks up the machine to power, and it starts trying to decompress unfortunately without enough processing power or storage space to do so harold tries to stop the process but is shocked by unplugging stuff and knocked out as a fire starts bear being a very good boy wakes him up and provides a fire extinguisher um but finch believes that the chips are now too burnt to repair root meanwhile has made it to the subway but not to the subway hq Samaritan continues to send agents after her, but she is, you know, fully capable of kicking ass even without god mode and lures the goons into the hideout of Russian mob for a favor uh, and take out her tail. Root asks their leader for a new identity and he reveals that he's been finding malware on the abandoned computers that he's been scraping for personal data. But before he hands over her new passport, he reveals that he is betraying her to Samaritan after all. Luckily, John arrives in the nick of time and saves her. He stays behind to watch her back while she books it to the subway to help Harold, grabbing a PS3 and noting that they'll need 300 of them to save the machine. When they reconvene at HQ, Harold thinks that all is lost, but Root, Root is uh, still believes that the machine is still alive. And she has a plan to save it. Make a DIY supercomputer out of the Playstations. With John's quick thinking and theft of a liquid nitrogen tank for cooling, they managed to successfully decompress the machine into the PS3 cluster. Meanwhile, uh, Fusco has been dealing with the aftermath of the sniper shots, taking out Dominic and Elias, who is not really mentioned here. So I have questions. I'm sure we'll pick up on pick that up later. You are smart to have questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's brought in for questioning by not only internal affairs, but also the FBI. He insists that Dominic was sn- shot by a sniper with a high powered rifle, but they don't believe him and ask for his service weapon to check ballistics, which guess what? Come back showing that Dominic was shot with Fusco's weapon. Fusco is lauded as a hero and his gun is returned to him and he goes along with it per John's recommendation. Afterward, He heads to the rooftop and retrieves a shell casing uh, and is observed by Samaritan. Throughout all this, we've also had flashbacks to the machine as it's gaining intelligence and uh, also some ignoring some boundaries. Harold is concerned about the potential threat posed by the adolescent machine, but Nathan is confident that the machine will be friendly t- toward humans because Harold made it. We see Finch conversing to the machine just prior to activating the code that will wipe its me- memory every midnight. The machine asks him about the nature of death and apologizes for violating boundaries, but Finch activates the code. Afterward, he panics and begs the machine to speak to him again. It comes back up and identifies Finch's admin,
0: but its memories are gone. There's a lot in Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a hell of an understatement.
0: I think one thing this episode does incredibly well is you get there is never not a moment in this episode where you are not feeling stressed out, and you are mm-hmm. not feeling everything is going wrong. Oh my god! Yeah, that they are on the and that they are on their last rope at the moment. Yeah,
1: yeah. It does a great job of, of putting them very much. The whole thing with last season was they were supposed to feel like on the run, but mm-hmm. all the tension in last season doesn't compare to how much how tense this episode feels. Yeah. They feel screwed. The only person that feels remotely like they've got their shit together is Root. (laughs) John is just like careening around with his head halfway up his ass. Harold is basically having an existential crisis in the middle of a PTSD flashback. Yeah, Uh,
2: which which basically starts with John dragging a fairy... In the location yeah. where Nathan died. Well, yeah. in, in Reese's defense,
1: yeah. Harold has never told anyone Right, that. of so course. So it's not like he knows. Yeah. But Fusco and Root are the only competent people. Fusco is like, you know, a little bit spooked by the whole situation. Can they just tell Fusco?
2: I know, like, I know. It's like...
1: He's going to get killed if, if they don't tell him what's going on soon. Yeah. But anyway...
0: There is a point where protecting somebody, like keeping someone in their dark for their own protection is in fact causing more harm than good.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And Fosco has officially hit that point by a, a fair distance. Um, but Root is just like, Root's just dangerous. Uh, and I, I, one of the notes I made here was, Root is the most dangerous person on this show. Full stop. There <laughs> yeah. will be no caveats to this statement. Um, it's like
2: she's she's. I stand by that. She's just as good, if not far better, than John at you know tactical stuff, and she's just as good at computer stuff as Harold. It's like you mash them into like one petite lesbian.
0: This is why you multi-class. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. like nobody can ever explain how multi in D anD D works. But I understand what it comes when you like have your net, your, like your, your perfect build and yeah. it all yeah. comes together.
1: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, Root absolutely is. Yeah. She's just got this shit handled clean. Meanwhile, John is like, you know, the world's ending. Everything's on fire. There's super supercomputers are warring for the, the fate of humankind.
2: Can we go back to the numbers?
1: But we have to get back to doing the numbers because that's. All my existence, that's the only place where I derive any value for my fractured ego anymore is saving people (laughs) one at a time. I am so damaged that this is literally all I can process as being where my self-worth comes from.
2: I mean, you're not wrong. He's yeah, such a piece
1: of work in these first two episodes of the season that it's just I don't know if they're intentionally trying to make you lose respect for John, (laughs) but they're kind of doing it a little bit. Not a lot, but just a little bit.
2: Although, you know, he's right when, like, you know, Harold is like, we can't get on this ferry. We need to go back and get Brute. And John's just like, and and Harold's like, she doesn't have help from the machine. She hasn't really had help from the machine for an entire season. And she's kicked fucking ass every episode. Like... I think she'll be fine.
1: Yeah, he's accurate there in that Root does not need help. Or like if she right does now. go down,
2: she's going to take it down like an entire building of Samaritan with her. Yeah,
1: I had a similar. Uh, it should be noted that the PS3 thing was way more like in the public consciousness when this happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. yeah. Um, because when this episode came out was right around the time when there was, like, the news articles about, like, who was it? Was it the Air Force? It was,
0: yeah. The The Air Force did, uh, hold on. Air Force created a supercomputer named Condor Cluster uh, with 1,760 consoles.
2: It's amazing.
0: And 84 coordinating servers.
2: I, I absolutely love that solution of, like, let's rig together a whole bunch of PS3s. Because I remember, so I remember, yeah. I remember like, you know, wait, you can make a cluster with PlayStations being like, holy shit. Mm-hmm.
1: I remember that they were illegal to export to certain countries because of that, because you could turn them into a
0: supercomputer.
2: And it was like specifically PS3s, right?
0: Yeah, it was because of the the CPU in it. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. it was like it, it, I, I, I'm looking at the Wikipedia article now so like there's, there, there's an entire Wikipedia article about this phenomenon but yeah apparently it was like um, you could use one PS5's processing for brute force attack just it was it game consoles are designed to do one thing and <laughs> one thing only and if I take that processing power and put it to something else
2: yeah
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I remember this episode when that came out and I just remember thinking that is so fucking clever that she just, you know, crashes in on this guy for, uh, for an ID, but on the off chance that he betrays her, she'll also boost 300 of his, of his PS threes uh, <laughs> while she's there and uh, use those to save the machine. It's just such a root solution. I I just love it.
2: I love you know it's it's so like you know they're also using like used you know secondhand scraped from a you know mobster warehouse PS3s. You know these yeah. aren't like new nice yeah. new ones off the rack.
1: No, they're definitely. This yeah. is
0: the cyberpunk that I like. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Of like like the, the the DIYness of it all is like greatly appealing to me.
2: Yeah,
1: and then John hitting it with like a giant uh industrial strength fire extinguisher to try and keep the the, the temperature down. Oh yeah. so that it doesn't overload <laughs> it doesn't burn out processing was was very good. Yeah. Yeah, no I love that whole that whole bit.
0: Also I love John like I I love the uh, I love John hijacking an Uber.
1: Yes. I forgot that Uber was that old. It's it does make sense though that Uber would still work in an ASI apocalypse.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: that tracks to me.
2: And that and that Samaritan's like, I can see the Uber interface.
1: Yeah. Uh, if you told me that Uber was invented by a maniacal sociopathic ASI, uh, I would believe you. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, that makes it, it scans instead of just shitty Silicon Valley venture capitalists, which, is, which is level of evil.
1: Yeah. Uh, one, one douchey bro and a bunch of developers, uh, basically at, at his whim, uh, all operating on the dearth of moral certitude. Anyway, um, the flashback in this episode was one I also wanted to, to go back to. Um, where Harold goes and is when he's deleting when he first sets up the delete that moment of indecision and regret i think is yeah there's a degree to which that's a bit of a retcon
2: i think but it works for me and it
1: yeah it works for me it's, it's, consistent it's a good the retcon themes. yeah yeah it, but i and i but i it raises some interesting questions to me of like has everything we've seen to this point about Harold training the machine, was that all from before that first erasure and everything he did to train the machine the first time was lost and the machine as it is now has been entirely relearned or did he somehow, or did the machine somehow regain some of that identity? I wonder if it's
0: something like the idea of each inner, like The iteration get deleted at midnight, but the forty-two day like the forty-two killings of the machine are not a sequential forty two. Like taking each run of the machine and modifying the code a little bit and re implementing it. Oh, so Mm -hmm. it
1: retains it retains like the data. It just doesn't retain its its own its its own memory. Yeah. And
0: yeah and yeah, like, self
1: modifications
0: yeah it 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 retains it does not retain its memory, but it retains its personality for lack for for me, yeah. to anthropomorphize it to an unhealthy extent. yeah, see, I
1: wouldn't even say so much that as it retains all of the data that built it mm-hmm. in the sense that like Finch taught it through example and through repetition, and it it reacted to that code. So when he turns it back on, the machine has access to all that recording, so it is able to just go back through, and re-experience all of that, and rebuild its personality. But what where it was limited is it only ever had twenty four hours to exist, and then it would get shut down and then restarted, mm-hmm. and that's why it needed the 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 Thorn Hill or whatever his name was, to try and. <laughs> Carry that progress over day over day. Yeah, mm-hmm. because it was it wasn't that it couldn't remember day over day because it, all that the NSA feeds and all that stuff, all the stuff that makes up the things it knows is always there. It's permanent. It's the 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 reflections, the ideas. It's internal monologue, so to speak, was what it was losing every time it reset.
2: And it clearly still knows who say Grace is, et cetera, too
1: yeah yeah and then right. because it sees grace yeah it's got it's got all that archive of interacting with harold and watching harold interact with with grace yeah so
2: like it can it can reaccess all of those videos and everything
1: yeah yeah
2: because you know the and i think we'll talk about this in the next episode um but you know, the the mer- perception of time is kind of kind of odd
0: yeah kind of funky. yeah yeah
1: well, I mean, yeah, it doesn't, in the sense that the machine sort of experiences all time in a, uh, as in a uh, <laughs> everything is is incoming data, mm-hmm. and time is simply how time is simply be available. Yeah, interesting.
0: <laughs> it's funny. Trying to think how to
1: put that. It's interesting. Anyway, okay. do we have anything else you want to say about this episode?
2: What a good boy, bear.
0: Yeah, Bear's yeah. great. I mean, if Bear had thumbs, we wouldn't need the rest of the cast. P-
2: pretty yeah. much.
1: <laughs> can
2: can uh, we have a fire extinguisher in his mouth?
1: Honestly, if I were this this group of people, I would have taught Bear that too. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I feel like for a normal dog, that's a crazy thing to teach a dog. For for this group of people, there's they probably have taught Bear a lot of unconventional commands. Like Bear, get my get my clip, and bear, you know, hit the self destruct button, and bear, (laughs) um, you know, uh, unplug the computers, and like bear probably knows a lot of really bizarre commands, but because he's such a good boy and such a smart boy, they can teach him a bunch of wild stuff. Like bear, bring me the fire extinguisher. Bear, do do first, do CPR. Like, what language is it that bear speaks?
0: I speaks, um... was it, Belgian? Uh, no, it's Dutch. Dutch, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Dutch. okay,
2: so yeah, it's, you know, but but Bear has learned all of these things in Dutch.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, okay, yeah. I kind to check, he's like, he's a Belgian Malinois, but his commands are only in Dutch. It's...
2: <laughs> Aaron, look up the, look up the, uh, the Dutch... Word for fire extinguisher.
0: Blusapparaat.
2: <laughs> I
1: hope it's something really silly. Every now and then you get like uh, translations it, that just come out bananas.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I feel like you. It's brand bluster. Delightful like language for that. Like, yes. uh, do you know? Do you know? Do you know the word for and amb- uh, German? No. Oh. It's cranken wagon, basically crying wagon.
2: Amazing. Amazing.
0: Uh my other favorite
1: is amusement park.
0: Oh, what is
1: what is amusement park?
2: park. See one one of um, my favorites is um all the things where French in France just takes a loan word from English. But Go back is like, no, 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 no. It is unacceptable to take a loan word. Therefore, we must make our own word. So instead of being like, low weekend, you have fendusemen. I mean, how was it that? How
1: is it that a bunch of goddamn Canadians are more intense about the French language? Because they're the
0: Québécois, dude. Because they're the
2: Québécois. So, so, the Québécois. so there,
0: there, there is a thing that, like, the reason that French does loan words more is because France actually has a directorate for, like, which words, like, officially conducting the French language. And so cool. to have a, like, you have to have this department or whatever approve words of the <laughs> and so because it's a government institution people just say fuck it we're stealing from English because it's faster amazing that's
1: funny talk about count so they've it's totally counterproductive
0: yeah basically because it's like yeah no, it, and like it, it by can,
1: trying to throttle what counts as French they have encouraged the use of yeah, words and from English
0: especially because it's like you have such like, and and it's like you have these incredibly like specific technical terms, like in chemistry or computers, that mm-hmm. are just like, well, we're never getting a French word for this, so we're just stealing the English one.
2: Except, except in Quebec, where sometimes there is a French word for them.
0: Well, yeah, well, it's because Quebec <laughs> is not part of that, like, <laughs> is not part of France, so you yeah. can do whatever the. F- yeah, is.
2: <laughs> my other favorite is courriel, uh, Courier électronique instead of the email. <laughs>
1: god fucking
2: Quebec
0: (laughs) Quebec you're you're such a you're on such thin ice you have to be glad you have three of my favorite wrestlers
1: (laughs) um are we ready for snafu yeah
0: let's go for it uh so this is episode two of season five snafu written by Connor directed by Chris Fisher and snafu really an appropriate name here if you're unaware of what this uh what this acronym is means situation normal all fucked up (laughs) Um, let's get going we interrupt our usual intro to the show that the machine is having some uh goofy issues with facial recognition um currently the machine lacks the processing power to properly run uh, John and Harold steal some GPUs that totally weren't being used to buy Bitcoin
2: <laughs> and do some shopping
0: for Groot's groceries. The machine has been integrated into the subway car, and Harold brings it back online. However, the machine lacks, uh, what you say, context. Uh, Harold has created an open system now, and the numbers start coming in 30 of them. Harold says they will test the machine, but Harold wants to close the system after they test it out to prevent abuse. However, the numbers aren't really panning out, and Harold keeps seeing Grace of the machine. When he tries to run a diagnostic, the machine declares Root and Harold threats and locks them in the subway car. As it turns out, the machine is unable to really differentiate what is in the past and what is in the present, and isn't really able to handle context. And determine, like, what is fake and what is fictional. Or what is fake and what is real. Uh, Most of the numbers turn out to be duds, but two of them pan out. Lori Granger and Joel Mancini. The machine starts trying to fight back by hurting Root through her cochlear implant. And when John tries to head to the subway station, Lori Granger, our um, out-of-towner, tries to kill John. The machine judges Root for her past crimes. And the machine judges Harold for all the times he fucked <laughs> it. Group <laughs> um, puts herself under so the machine can't hurt her. And Harold talks to the machine, revealing and the machine reveals that it sent the assassin after John. Um, the so Finch decides to give an anchor to the machine, giving it past numbers to help it reassociate herself. It's really like this is like this is creating a like a solution through. Okay. This is where any, su- any sufficiently um, advanced and ridiculous magic can be construed as some sort of technological process. What Harold <laughs> is doing is magic at this point. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. He is doing a form of magic to ritualize the machine and give it an acre in time. That's really what this is. and. Yeah. there's any like programming nonsense for it. Um, But it's fine. It works because it makes it's like it's emotion. It's emotional core is good. And Harold says they can't always do the right thing, but they will always do their best. John is able to subdue the assassin and cleanup starts. Uh, Fusco also saves his number. Uh, There's not a lot going on there. (laughs) Poor Fusco. Of course Um,
2: he
1: does. He's a champ.
2: However, he Her- he like saves his number like very heroically.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It's like honestly a good moment for him
1: because Fusco's a fucking Chad. <laughs> I don't know how
0: else to put it. Uh, Harold asks the machine to show him green. Him and Root go outside now that Root's covers and be re- re- reestablished. We also find that one of the bogus numbers, Jeremy Blackwell, is an ex con Um, has been recruited by Samaritan. Whoopsie daisy! <laughs>
2: after John, after John is like, and eh, interesting to see here. I'm moving on. Yep, surveilling him. I mean, to
0: be fair, how is he to know that the the uh, the work agency was going to say, "Hello, we would like for we would like to hand you a gun." Yeah. Uh, spoilers. He's gonna. Re-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love the way this show finds ways to do like traditional tropes in fucking wild and interesting ways. We got we've gotten like noir, we've gotten like hitchcocky and stuff and this is our little weird body swap bit. Yeah, at for the like the first of this love episode. It. Yeah,
0: the first arc that's it's very funny.
2: It's great.
1: Um it's so good. Especially
2: Amy um, Acker like just slays every single character. Oh,
1: uh, yeah. Well, that Amy Acker is such a champ. This show really, like, put her to great use. Yeah. Uh, you watch her... I remember when this show ended and she went off and did, I don't know, like, nothing remotely interesting for a little while. And I was I so mean, we know what she
0: did. She did the X-Men that we can't call the X-Men show.
1: Yeah. Like I said, not, not challenging her nearly as much as this show did.
2: And this really, like, takes advantage of... To like be a chameleon in particular, yeah. Mm-hmm. What? What an episode!
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's a fun one, <laughs> and like the 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 bit of we got thirty numbers, and like the machine is just like the machine the, the machine giving them four numbers that are fictional characters. <laughs> Very good.
1: Yeah. It's clearly I my note was that there's a lot of hand wavium going on here as far as like how the machine recovery is happening and I like the lesson that they're trying to not the lesson but I I like the idea that they're going for in this yeah. episode that the machine is recovering and that it's there it's trying to like reestablish itself one of the things that I think has suffered in the show as it's gone on is it has felt less grounded and more like, I'm gonna science the science, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this, in these latter two seasons, which uh is not a problem for me, but it does. I think one of the things that felt so interesting about the first couple seasons was like how it felt very grounded and very to, close it didn't to reality need to show
0: its cards, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah. And now it's very much, and I think my my point I'm making is I feel like they could have done this episode without needing. To do quite so much techno babble and jibber jabber, but I, I'm not mad that they did. I just it's not the choice I would have
0: made. Yeah, I was curious of like if uh, I was curious like, oh, who, who is the like? Has this writer done any other person of interest episodes? And as it turns out, he did seven. Uh, he did all in, which is the 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 casino episode.
2: Oh, that was fun.
0: And like he did a couple others across season three or four that I'm like, oh yeah, these are all good. I think this, this episode like there's a little too much technobabble to but the I, like the core of it of like the machine having to like refigure out what it Yeah. Yeah. Is, um is very good.
2: And the Yeah, I agree. And the aspect of like Harold himself can only rebuild it so far. Yeah. Because like yeah. part of the machine 1.0 or whatever 42.0 was that it, you know, learned and you know, taught itself things, and that's not that's not necessarily stuff that Harold can then put back into it.
1: Yeah, it was self-improving, so.
2: Yeah, the it was hilarious, though. I oh, absolutely, gosh, like, it cracked me up.
1: Yeah, it was very good.
2: I also really enjoyed Fusco trying to shame John into being social with his co-workers at the precinct.
0: I sort of, yeah, I love it, honestly, of, like, of yeah. he's uh, I mean, like, yeah, you're being, like, a little you're being a little mopey whiny uh like you, you know you're being a drag because you 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 don't realize that you actually want to talk to other people and you want to hang out. Hanging yeah. out is fun, John. I'm going to get you a polyester bowling shirt. And that bowling shirt is oh. I like <laughs> The 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 name of the team being the New York Pin Destroyers NYPD is like a <laughs> level of terrible of like it's so good it's so it's so bad and it's so good you know it's it's exactly
1: the kind of dad joke that Fusco would would come up with
0: oh speaking speaking
2: of dad jokes in this episode um we know that we know that. Harold truly is a father to the machine because he makes a very dad joke. The, you know, when, when talking about Root being grounded, he, he says, well,
0: undergrounded. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh. <laughs> oh, man. That's really good. Oh. One thing that I, that like, I enjoy in this one is the, um, uh, at the end of it, like, the, the, like, we get, we get like the various, like, oh, hey, we're showing you different people. And like the machine's slowly like reasserting itself. I find mm-hmm. very interesting. But we're going to have to have like a conversation maybe at the end of the series of like, I think that Harold should be punished for what he did to the machine in some way. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know what he should, I don't know what suffering he should do. I don't believe in car, I don't believe in the carceral state. So. Like, I, I don't feel think,
2: like, like, I mean, having to, the life that he leads is perhaps punishment enough.
0: Yeah, but that's self-inflicted. <laughs> I, I hope mean, the machine. I just want to like. I hope that.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, hmm. I mean, self-inflicted. <laughs> I almost just blabbed such a huge spoiler.
2: <laughs> Do we need a headphones moment here?
1: Uh, No, it's not important. I just. It's it's not important. We can talk about it another time, but I just wasn't thinking clearly. We'll it's like three just, weeks. <laughs> just blabbed an enormous spoiler right into Anna's um, face. That
0: would have been so funny. Oh, oh man. man.
2: Um, <laughs> One of the little details I really, really liked was how lived in Root's little like nook looks.
0: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: like like she and Harold are like slowly going insane from like sleep deprivation and like (laughs) trying to trying to revive the machine on you know a cluster of playstations and her her, like she's got her like little nook with like a cozy bed and it's like very like cluttered in a human sort of way it's really nice
0: I think that this is like, like a minor thing but like to go off on a thing but I get why it happens because like but like every every tv character has even like there are only two types of apartments like you see Mm -hmm. on television they're like either mountains of trash or like pristine showroom (laughs) and and, like you know like they're they're i i get that they're it's it's because it's hard to like replicate and it's, frankly, it's, like, you're putting in a lot of work for something that, like, nobody's going to care about. <laughs> um, Other than like, apparently
2: me. Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah. But it's, like, you know, if you, if you take, like, you know, a couple minutes, like, extra, you know, things look a little bit dirty. And that's fine. Yeah. That's, like, and it, it makes it look human.
2: Yeah. Uh, and they did a really nice job with the, like, set dressing for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, I love one of my favorite details in this episode is that um, Root Ru- gets two pairs of slippers <laughs> one for her and one for Bear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I didn't even
2: notice that. That's really good. Meanwhile, I, I had interpreted that That's as funny. um. That- both her and Harold wanted a pair of fuzzy slippers.
0: Well, yeah, it's like like John makes the joke of like, oh, you're getting fuzzy slippers, but then you see root tossing a slipper at a bear. <laughs> That's funny. Proceed. <laughs> That's
1: funny.
2: Yeah, cuz Harold would never be seen in something as uncouth as fuzzy slippers.
0: No, he's got like he has he has like Harold is the kind of guy who has like Italian moccasins.
2: Yeah.
1: Are you saying, hold on. Are you saying that Harold is the kind of guy that gets out of bed and puts on loafers.
0: Absolutely, well, uh, like not maybe not like loafers, but like like the like the fancy like heeled slippers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. can
1: see him. Do you remember that? Do you remember how angry I was in that B about that B five episode? <laughs> oh
0: God, where
1: Sheridan gets out of bed and puts on his goddamn loafers.
0: I mean, let yeah. it go, dude. Let it go. <laughs> I, Clearly, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to. I mean, this is another bugbear of mine: is that like on television, nobody ever asks anybody to take off their shoes. Yeah, uh, that's true. Because it's just this is the thing of like you know like I I was watching um, a Netflix series, The Night Agent, which is um, I I I think I I think I, I, think, I, I think I told Aaron or I think that I it was basically like. If some center left people wrote a Tom Clancy plot,
1: <laughs> Night Agent is that the one with uh what's his name Loki,
0: Tom Hiddleston? And he- no, no, that is that no, that is a John Le Carre adaptation called uh, like The Night Manager or something like that. That's what I, I yeah mean with, with the Hugh Manager. with Hugh Laurie and Tom Hiddleston. That's fantastic no notes no that slaps hard yeah this is like a 10 episode series of like it's a it's a it's a very generic dc based thriller but like and like i'm sure that i will forget this this series within like two months because there is it doesn't even have like a good it doesn't even have like notable wait i know that guy love to see that guy (laughs) But, like, what if, like, there's there's a random thing where they're going to an informant's house, and the informant asks them to take off their shoes. And I'm like, you never see that. Props to that person, though.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Leave your shoes at the door, you filthy bog girls.
2: <laughs> only only I am allowed to, you know, wear my dirty shoes inside the house.
0: Yeah. It's just like, you know,
1: like, the, the, the shoes, like, you know. I, I'm i not going to get into my the 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 complex and esoteric set of rules that determine when and I, when I will and will not take off my shoes in my house because it it involves when is the next time I'm leaving the house how many hours <laughs> away that is which pair of <laughs> shoes I'm wearing and how complicated the the laces are on them Funny. and whether or not I'm the one yeah. that is making the decision to put shoes on or whether someone's asking me to do it if it's a decision i make i'm more willing to take shoes off than if like somebody's asking me
0: to go out and do an errand i mean it's complicated part of it is i grew up and so I just have I had too many asian friends and relatives
1: Well, i get that <laughs> and in a perfect world i don't want to wear shoes in my house yeah. but my brain doesn't work right and i don't want to take my shoes off if i have to put them back on later and the rules by which That decision is arrived upon is a calculus that I barely understand, (laughs) much less am capable of explaining to someone else. You
0: also have a chaos demon that you that shares your DNA in the house, so (laughs) I understand how that goes.
1: And two goddamn dogs, so like trying to keep a clean floor and the cats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think half of the small of the under three foot creatures in this house have vomited on the carpet in the last (laughs) month. So like, dirty shoes ain't in my top. (laughs) <laughs> top five list of things I'm concerned about. Uh, uh, are we done with this one? I
0: think so. like <laughs> uh, <We've laughs> certainly wandered off the topic. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, I, mean, I mean, despite these being two packed episodes, you know, got a nice tight episode. All right. So next time we are going to be covering episodes three and four of season five. Truth be told. And... 6741. Oof. Until next time, we are being watched. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share alike Nidorivis license.
1: I heard, speaking of dad jokes, I heard this is completely off topic, but I heard a phenomenal dad joke today. I told my, you know, do you know what my wife said uh, when I told her I was sterile? She said, uh, you can't be serious. And I said, I'm not kidding you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's terrible. I know. Ugh mm <laughs>